listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say, one thing, but then the next day. It's different, they change, but they don't know what they want. All they do is change, yeah, yeah. Luckily, we didn't have to wait an extra day to do Bucks in the Basement because Ben Charrington's waiting to the last possible moment on Tuesday to figure out who he's got to protect for the Rule 5 draft by adding them to the 40-man roster, who's not good enough anymore to worry about, uh, who he's going to designate for assignment, where essentially teams can now grab those players, but he's not as concerned about them or protecting them. Uh, I'm guessing he was trying to make trades because I saw the Rays make three deals on Tuesday essentially because of people having to protect players before Rule 5. They couldn't, they could, and they were very active. Maybe Charrington's trying to do that, just couldn't pull anything off. Yeah, and that's, you know, what I was thinking as well, Chris, just because, I mean, he always waits till the last minute. And, I mean, I jokingly said before we got on here that I think he believes he's smarter than everybody else and just is trying to, you know, do all these different things, but it kind of seems to be a pattern with him. And, you know, he had made a trade earlier, so you don't know if he was trying to, you know, maybe get rid of some guys that he felt, you know, he wasn't going to be able to protect, and if he was going to lose them anyway to try to get something for them, because the Pirates had... I mean, they had a decent amount of guys that were at least, to me, borderline protectable. I mean, the two that were coming up that were going to be absolute guarantees, I mean, everybody could have nailed this down weeks ago, were Mike Burrows and Andy Rodriguez. Yeah, I mean, if they don't keep those two guys, you're you're an absolute shock. They, they, were, they were not fringe. They were guys that were getting selected in Rule 5 drafts. They, some other team was going to grab them if the Pirates didn't protect them. And before we get into this, let me just remind everybody, this episode of Bucks in the Basement and every episode brought to you by Yins. Go to shopyins.com and put on the brand that is one brand for three different teams. Uh, We're all Yinsers. Three dynasties, one brand, Yins, the number one brand for Pittsburgh sports. The link is on bucksinthebasement.com. It's in the show notes for this podcast. It's not hard to find uh, shopyins.com. All right, so let's go down the moves that were made for anybody that didn't see them, okay? I don't want to assume that people saw what happened, okay? 
uh, Andy Rodriguez, Mike Burrows, uh, Colin Selby, and uh, Jared Triolo all get added to the 40-man roster. Who are the four guys that come off? Ben Welos, Fernandez, Junior Fernandez is DFA'd. Um, Heineman is uh, is DFA'd. Jeremy Beasley DFA'd. I don't I don't have a problem with any of that. Did anything surprise you? Like I know that it's not exactly what you would have done because I know that you sat down and wrote an article uh, on Bucks in the Basement and you were like, okay, uh, this is what I think is going to happen or this is what I would do. But did anything here bother you? No, nothing here like absolutely bothers me. Uh, Jared Triolo, I mean, it's a guy that I had I had written about on our on our site probably back in 2021 when it came back and he was playing extremely well in Greensboro. And I talked about him being like the, you know, forgotten prospect because he's a third base prospect. You have Cabrian Hayes. So you obviously kind of forget about him. And then this year he was our defender of the year again in the minor league awards. He had won a gold glove for the minor leagues at third base the previous year. And then there goes my idiot mind and kind of forgetting about him again, just because I mean, there were shiny new toys, you know, in like a Malcolm Nunez who he had acquired, you know, for Jose Quintana. That was a guy that was kind of, you know, to me was borderline, but he's a first baseman DH. Those guys are rarely selected. So, you know, maybe I shouldn't have gone there. I know that people had brought up Matt Gorski. I wasn't in the line of protecting him just because of the injuries that he had last year. But, you know, you kind of forget about, like, how dependable Jared Triolo has been. So it's it's not really surprising, especially, you know, he, he performed well in Altoona this year. And, you know, is because of losing that year, all these guys lose that year, he's getting up there in age. So he's possibly a guy that just, you know, he's could perform well because you could put him in as a defensive replacement. You could have him there because he has good, you know, plate presence and could fit him on your roster for the year. So they would say, you know, we're thinking we're going to lose him. Uh, Manny Benuelos on the guys that are dropped. I mean, a left-handed guy in the bullpen who performed fairly well for us. I, I mean, he was in the, he was in the projected bullpen. On fan graphs, uh, they, when they were trying to say these are the guys that are on the 40-man roster that we project at least going into the offseason in the bullpen if nothing changes, fan graphs had him in the projected bullpen and they had Tyler Heineman, who was also jettisoned and DFA'd as the starting catcher in their projections. That I mean, that, that, you know, that you don't see that all the time, right? You don't see when they put out there, this is the best they have at this position and you, and then your team is like DFAing them to make room for rule 5 protection guys. Like that you don't see that on every team. Yeah, and I mean at least this time Chris when we traded Jacob Stallings last year, I believe we had zero catchers on the 40 man at that point in time after he was traded so you had to get somebody. I mean dude, we still have Ali Sanchez. I mean waiver wire pickup. I mean there's just That's your catcher. Just Andy the starter? Like, <laughs> I, like, I mean, I mean, we know they're going to sign, because we had an episode not too long ago, Chris. We know they're going to sign either Roberto Perez or somebody else. Yeah, but to do that, they have to lower They have to lower their 40, man. They're maxed out right now. I know. They're maxed. They don't have any room. Like, there's, 
teams all over Major League Baseball have like four or five slots that are open to get ready for free agency and and being able to make roster moves. They have nothing. They're completely maxed out at this moment. So any signing they make, somebody else is getting jettisoned. Yeah, and, 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 it's and there's weird space, to me because there's at space. this point you should at this point you should have a group of guys that you're like this guy ain't good enough to be on my team. Uh, he really holds on the guys to the last possible moment. Yeah, he, you know? he really does. And we've seen this, like, again, Chris, we've seen this before, is that he keeps the – he's like, I'm not going to leave any space for anything because you know he's going to probably, you know, select at least one person in the Rule 5, have to put him on the Major League roster. So there's one spot right there. You know he can't stay off the waiver wire. So, I mean, there's another spot right there. You have to sign a catcher. There's another spot right there. Oh, I'll predict it right now, Craig. I'll predict it right now. With all the teams that are making their moves today, within 48 hours, is that when you start to find out, like, claims? The Pirates will be making more more moves because somebody else came off of another team. He loves this stuff. I mean, and in the end, it doesn't really pay off, right? Like, I'm just going to throw out an arbitrary figure. I don't know the exact percentage, but let's say 95% of those never have any impact on your club. But, man, he loves doing that stuff. He's like my dad on Fantasy Football <laughs> Tuesday like making roster moves and, and and changing around who's on his bench when in reality his starters are all he's going to start and he's never going to use that bench. That That's what he is. Yeah, and and that's, I mean, I, I know that there's been like some leagues I've been in that people have like <laughs> petitioned to not have those types of moves from that many people. Like it's like you can only have this many roster moves then you got to start paying for them. Right. I mean, Ben Sherrington would, ha- would be paying like so much money back to the league it would be absolutely insane. But, yeah, he definitely does love that stuff. And before we move on from Triola, the one thing I do want to say is that people kind of forget, in 2019, he was the number seventeen, number 72 overall pick. Comp round B. So it's not like he is, like, some, you know, unknown, out-of-nowhere guy. Like, played for Houston, a fairly good program, has been a good player within our system. So when people are just like, you know, who's this guy we're keeping – you know, for for some people that matters. For me, that doesn't matter. I, I he's been a good player. I can't see anything wrong with it. But people are just like, you know, who is this guy? Where would he come from? If anybody wants to know, it, it's not a no name. Colin Selby is more of a no name, and I actually predicted Colin Selby. But the reason I predicted Colin Selby was because we had an episode not too long ago where I said he was pitching well in the Arizona Fall League, and I hope that people didn't notice him. I mean, he's been pitching well for the past couple years, came off of Tommy John after we drafted him, you know, has just been a solid guy, was a starting pitcher, transitioned to the bullpen, was throwing a mid-90s fastball as a starter, is throwing upper 90s, touching 100 now as a reliever with control, with two extra pitches. I mean, people just basically saw him out there, and and Ben Charrington's not a, not a dumb man and is – you know, saying, you know, he's probably a guy that is likely to be picked because this is all like kind of risk management. The Rule 5 draft is risk management, and this Rule 5 draft could be crazier than any other Rule 5 draft you didn't see because you didn't have one last year. So there's so many guys that were Rule 5 eligible this year that nobody, you know, had seen for a year, have seen last year. Maybe they've been injured. Maybe they've come back. It's going to be crazy. So, I mean, he basically used risk management. Maybe he took the you know, positive and negative pros and cons on one side and saw the guys that could be stashed on another 
person's team or that were, you know, getting some publicity or just, you know, were out there and said, we're going to protect these guys. These are the guys that are most likely to be taken. Uh, I think it was Sam Dyster put out there that out of the last, God, I don't even know how many Rule 5 drafts it was, that it was like 75% or more were pitchers. I mean, it's 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 going to be a lot of pitchers. So here's the thing. Is there somebody they didn't protect that you feel strongly is going to be grabbed up by another team? Because in the Rule 5 draft, you you have to keep that guy on your Major League roster. You you have to – generally, I think relief pitchers have the best chance of remaining, you know, or somebody who, like, is going to be injured all year long. And, and it's like, well, we can keep them on our – we can keep them on our 60-day, and, and, and then that way we don't have to return them. But generally, the, the person has to survive. Not every team is going to keep somebody who is a double-A player or triple-A player on their major league roster when they may be in over their head. Relief pitchers seem to be the ones that, that stick, you know? I mean, generally, you see relief pitchers taken. So is there somebody that the, the Pirates didn't protect that you look at and say, that one might get plucked? I mean, there's two guys right now. It's just top of my head. The first one's Tanaj Thomas. Uh, Tanaj Thomas, former, you know, top 100 prospect. Um, we were caught, we acquired him in the Eric Gonzalez trade uh, when we so, sent uh, Jordan Luplo to Cleveland, and he was he's like this fireballer, and he's another guy that got moved from the starters to the bullpen. Kind of has some control issues, but. Another guy that tops out over a hundred, and those types of guys are ones that teams like. I think he'll get selected. I don't know if he can stick on a roster, and that's like the other thing is even if a guy gets selected, other teams DFA those guys and send them back. Sometimes even before spring training's over. So if we're talking about guys that could be selected, Tanaj Thomas would be like at the top of my list right now. The one guy that like I was going to protect that that they didn't end up protecting was Cody Bolton, and Cody Bolton had spent you know all year in Indianapolis, um, had a good ERA, decent WHIP, uh, I think it was around like in like the one point twos, um, but did a lot of like the long relief, trying to get built back up. Didn't pitch in 2020, 2021, right before the season started in Altoona, injured his knee, and I. I Another guy that was like a top 10 Pirates prospect at one point in time. He's another guy. And honestly, I he's a guy that I think potentially could stick. And that's why I was going to protect him. But, I mean, the Pirates, they, they know better. And I, it's just a guy that I thought I would have liked to see and get a look at the end of last year. Like when they were giving looks to, you know, Luis Ortiz, somebody like that just to even if you're going to give him like 10 innings in the major leagues, just to see a little bit more of him. I mean, if he would be gone, I would, I would hope the best for him for wherever he goes, just because of we, what he went through 
uh, to get back on the field. Pitched pretty well, not protected. But, I mean, if he, if he sneaks through, he's one of those guys that, you know, when somebody gets injured at the beginning of the year or they're looking for relief arms at the end of next year, he'd be a guy that I would be happy that would still be around. So those are the two guys right there, you know, off the top of my head that I think it's going to be a pitcher. There's not a whole lot of starters out there that we had. There's a ton of relief guys. And like I said, mentioned before, Malcolm Nunez was a surprise to me um, just because I thought he was going to go the route that he did last year with Jack Sawinski. Um, which he brought, you know, brought him in, performed well, and then protected him when we were thinking he was going to protect, you know, other outfielders aside from Sawinski, guys that had made it up to AAA. Um, and so he kind of surprised it there. Malcolm Nunez, you know, he didn't do anything wrong to, to not be protected. And it might just be, you know, Charrington taking the risk with, you know, can you have a guy who is a first base DH only guy on your roster for the entire year. I mean, I guess if you're a, a desperate team trying to fill that spot, somebody like the Pirates who did not have anybody at first base and would be willing to at least give that guy a shot, that's somebody that could take him. You know, the interesting thing here is that with your your 40-man roster maxed out and being in the position that the Pirates are in, and, and what their team is at this point. Not not a team that you're expecting contend for the postseason in 2023, but a team that should, as we've talked about on this show, be building towards a winning atmosphere. I would like to see them go out and get a professional bat. I'd like to see them bring a, a professional a veteran starting pitcher in here to show the young guys how to do things, and, and you need to start seeing whether or not some of these draft picks, some of these prospects are, are going to start panning out and forming that nucleus of your team and winning more baseball games in 23 than you did in 22. But with everything maxed out and in the position they're in, you have to wonder, will they release more players off of that 40-man to be able to make selections in the Rule 5 draft? Like, I at first thought was like, well, I think that since they're maxed out, they can't make a pick now when it happens in December, but reading over the rule on the MLB website, it just says that when the draft starts, they can't be maxed out at 40 players. So there might still be the option where they can add, unless I'm reading it wrong. I mean, I, my my fantasy football and fantasy baseball league rules are easier to understand than the way that they lay them <laughs> out on MLB.com. Okay. I mean, seriously, I mean, we try our best to get everything right and perfectly accurate. But, I mean, you read the rule, and you can read it six different ways, and you're like, I don't know. I mean, I think that's what it means. So they could be potentially also removing players from the roster because they see who shook loose today. Like, the Mets, I don't think, added anybody. No, they didn't, They've got man. a couple of nice players that are out there. There are teams that were in a crunch and left guys behind. There are some, some, some guys who could be major league ready that didn't get protected because teams had – too much going on with their rosters. And so there's there's potential. I mean, if Ben Charrington will go out and get everybody's garbage, there's definitely somebody's treasure out there right now that he's looking at. There's going to be more moves. Who else comes off this roster? Like, when you look at the 40-man right now for the Pirates, I know there's guys that you had said, these are guys you could dump off. What names didn't get dumped off yet that you were like, these guys could be dumped off to make room? Oh, my God, Chris. I mean, like, throw a dart. No, I'm joking. But, I mean, it's... That's funny. Honestly... It's funny because it's kind of true. 
it's I mean there was at least I had like at least like 13 to 14 guys listed that I was like you know what if if this guy's gone then I'm not too upset about it I mean just if you if you scroll down through the roster real quickly I mean Nick Mears is still on there it's a guy that has been hurt you know still young but you know he's 26 now when I was you know kind of hoping that he would come up at some point in time. It's I was petitioning for him to, come, him to come up. He was 24. You know, Hoy Park, how many second basemen do you need? Johan Ramirez, uh, Ali Sanchez, the catcher that they picked up. I mean, go down to no catchers. That's that's not a problem. I mean, they picked up Ryan Valadi. I, I, that's how I'm going to pronounce his name for the time that he's here. They picked him off from the waiver wire not too long ago. Was the number 20-some prospect for the Colorado Rockies, 23 years old, and is a right-handed bat, but is just a kind of another outfielder. I mean, Bryce Wilson, Miguel Yehure. I mean, there was, to me, a, a decent amount of guys that were still left that could be shown the door and, and weren't. So, and Robert Stevenson, that's a guy that I keep on bringing up because a lot of times, like, if you're not going to take a guy to arbitration or you're not even going to tender him a contract, because that's the other thing that people misunderstand is that going to arbitration, like they're arbitration eligible. The process that is going on right now is not arbitration. Arbitration doesn't happen until they can't agree on a contract and have to go in front of a mediator. What they're going through right now is tendering and non-tendering and trying to agree on, you know, a contract. Some people get it done beforehand. You know, some people tender that contract and say, we'll discuss it later. And they figure it out before the arbitration hearing happens. But I mean, you're basically deciding, you know, are you going to offer this guy a contract? You still have Dwayne Underwood Jr. I think it was 1 million. Robert Stevenson, 1.9 million. Both of those guys I said would be, It'd be okay if they were gone. And, and just because, I mean, relief pitching is one of the easiest things to find out there. Well, here are your arm guys right now, and I might be wrong, so you tell me if I'm I'm missing one of them. I mean, G-Man Choi, you're you're giving him arbitration. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Newman, I don't know. I mean, like, I think they still see him as valuable, even though he's 29 years old and he's never done anything that I think he w- he wouldn't make a lot of the upper tier teams in in Major League Baseball right now. I mean, at best, he's the 26th man on on the on the better teams that go to the postseason because of his inconsistencies. Okay. Um, uh, Miguel Anular, I, I always say his name wrong. Anuhar, and yeah. I, I'm sorry. Miguel is uh, is 28 years old, and he's up for arbitration. Robert uh, Stevenson is up for arbitration. Um, as as I go down this list, we have uh, Dwayne Underwood Jr., uh, Mitch Keller, JT Brubaker. I think that's it. You have a few guys here. You could say, "Well, I'm not going to tender." I don't think Dwayne Underwood Jr. is getting tendered, right? I mean, there's a guy you could get rid of. You can make some space. Yeah, and you as know? I said, Robert Stevenson and Dwayne Underwood Jr. were like my two big guys. Where I said, "You probably wouldn't tender him." I still think they're tendering Kevin Newman because uh, I think that they believe there's still value in him, whether it's to be traded. And I also believe that they think that some of the guys may not be ready for you know, 
everyday starter, which right. I mean, it, that's fine. And, and I have no problem. I think we even said, Chris, that we would tender Kevin Newman with the goal of him either being traded or hoping that he gets pushed to where he's an event. He's a uh, defensive replacement bench piece. And that's actually would be, you know, a fairly valuable spot for him because he can play a lot of places. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, there are still some, some places to go, some, you know, room to be made. Uh, and people like laughing, like they're like, I, I love Chris. I just, I got to go through the mind of a pirates fan here for just two seconds. Just, just bear with me because this, this will go with Kevin Newman and this will go with Michael Chavis, who we ended up like letting go before the season was gone. So for Michael Chavis, they said we, you know, DFA'd him because we didn't want to take him to arbitration because he would be too expensive. And his arbitration number is going to be probably around between 1.5 and 2 million. His replacement, direct replacement is going to be between 4.25 and $4.5 million in G-Man Choi. Direct replacement. So that doesn't make any sense. With Kevin Newman, everybody's saying Kevin Newman sucks. Cut him. Now they're saying, okay, they won't tender him a contract because he's too expensive. Once they do tender him a contract, they'll say, well, he's going to be traded anyway. But yet, Chris, they were the same people that wanted him traded or DFA'd before they even tendered a contract. So that's the mind of a Pirates fan that you have to step in into. For me, make it a lot simpler than that, people. Just make it simpler than that. They got G-Man Choi, who's better defensively, who's actually played the position, who's about the same offensively as Michael Chavis, but you go 1.3 war, and that's F war on that one, and negative and 0.6 F war for Michael Chavis, who was given a shot at the position, it's a little bit of an upgrade. If you tender Kevin Newman, he was 1.1 war in limited time and was injured. He's a borderline starter, you know, within the major leagues. So just make it simple, people. By the way, I think that the uh, the Pirates did a very good job with that uh, little contract they gave Brian Reynolds where you you avoid arbitration. Only $6.75 million for him in 23. That's amazing. Care of. I mean, that's, that's, that was a good move because he's worth more than that. You, you look at his numbers and what he did. You look at guys that are, like, in the free agent market who don't have his numbers – that are expected to do better than that for per year. He he that that's a bargain right there. That was a, that was a good deal. Oh, it was absolutely a good deal. And I mean, they they paid him a little bit more last year to pay him a little bit less this year, and didn't have to go and do the ugly you know arbitration with him you know this year because last year, I mean, just reminding people that it was our terrible owner, which I don't like him, terrible owner, but just basically said you're arguing. Over, I think it was like $500,000 with Brian Reynolds. And he was just like, fix this. Like, get this fixed. Like, why are we doing this? So, you know, for all the terrible things he does, for him to just basically say, why with our, you know, borderline best player? I mean, you got him, Cabrian Hayes, you got O'Neill Cruz as like kind of like your core. But to say, why are we working with one of our position core guys? Player. He's your best position player. Oh, absolutely. Okay. I mean, come on. He's your... He's your best position. I mean, I guess Hayes was worth more B-War 
than Reynolds this year. But when, if I had somebody coming up to the plate in a big situation, that's the guy I want hitting, right? I oh, mean, absolutely, do you, do you absolutely. Anybody He's... else up there with a stick when it, when it's time to, to drive in a run or to get a big hit besides Brian Reynolds right now? Is there somebody that you, you'd rather see walk up to the plate? I mean, Kevin Newman has the most walk-off hits for the Pirates in the past three years, but oh, yes, I, I would have Brian Reynolds come up, Chris. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Of course I would have Brian Reynolds come up. I don't care if it's right-handed or left-handed. He struggled right. He struggled in center field this year. That's actually why his war was a lot lower than it, you know, it could have been. Yes, you know, the average could have been up a little bit more. Power came up for him, though, and he struggled for two months. Brian Reynolds is the best player on the team right now. And I mean, if I were the Pirates right now, I'd be sitting around saying, okay, we don't have to deal with arbitration with them. And arbitration is a lot of hurt feelings, folks. I mean, you, you have to understand this. What's going to happen is that a team is going to sit down if they actually have an arbitration hearing and point out everything that sucks about that player. They're going to be like, you, you're you bad at this. You're bad at that. You you can't hit this. You're terrible with a curveball. You don't move very much, uh, very well to your left side when you're tracking a ball. You know, here's some metrics that show that you're really not that good. Like, in their argument, they point out all the flaws in the player that they supposedly want to keep on their team. It's a brutal process, okay? And the player has to sit there and essentially make threats like, well, I'm going to be very angry, and I may never come back to this team in a couple of years when I finally get free, and this is what I want. And it's it's a it's not a fun thing, and you can have hurt feelings coming out of it. This is why teams try to avoid it by working out something before the actual hearing. Most teams and most players don't go to the hearing because when you get to the hearing, it's bad, bad feelings. And the process just trying to work it out can create bad feelings. This year, you don't have to deal with that with Brian Reynolds. This would be a great time in a nice little lull. If you got a, a couple of days free, you know, Ben Charrington, maybe maybe go out and get yourself, a, you know, I don't know, a sandwich, and a couple of beers and, and talk <laughs> with the man about an extension. Like, that's what I'd be doing. Like, this is the perfect offseason to at least approach him in a friendly way, you know? Not even, like, real serious. Just, like, a put put your feelers out. Like, hey, you like what we're building? This is what our plan is. I mean, he should be told constantly, like, this is what our plan is. This, this year we're doing this. The next year we're doing this. We intend to be competitive this year. Yeah. Now, if you really want to keep a player like him, that's what you got to be doing. And then he's got to – then and you know what that does? That motivates him to keep working at his craft instead of feeling like a guy who's just trapped on a bottom feeder team. Okay. Because that that has to creep into his head from time to time. So I mean, this, this should be the off season of goodwill. Even if you don't get it done, build goodwill in this off season with your player. Yeah, and Chris, I think we talked about last year. the The big thing was is like, even the Cabrian Hayes contract. It was a good contract. We still like the contract, but it was also, you know, something for Brian Reynolds to say, "Hey, look, we are locking up guys. You know, we would like to have you be next." Which is, you know, a great thing to do. But Chris, I know we're running out of time. I'm looking at the time. I know we're running short. And I wanted to get this out here to everybody before, before, you know, it becomes common knowledge. G-Man Choi. Chris, remember when we talked about how we should go out and get a first baseman who, you know, pulls the ball and hits ground balls. Yes. And his, and his average will come up. Well, guess what, Chris? We didn't actually do that, but people are putting it out there that we did. Because <laughs> he's a lefty bat, right? Because he's a lefty about. bat, and We're he, like, he hits. Lefty bat, and, and, but he's got to have a low. He's got to have a high ground ball rate. He has a forty-eight percent ground ball rate, and he has a forty-one percent pull rate, and that is into the shift. 
But here's the thing, Chris, is everybody, what they're using is they're using weighted on-base average. And the thing that people don't understand about weighted on-base average is it weights bigger hits more than it rates singles. So weighted on-base average, if you hit a home run, it has a higher weight than a single, a double, a triple, whatever it would be. So everybody's throwing out there, well, you know, he gets shifted 85% of the time. And so his weighted on base average is like 412. When he's not shifted, it's, you know, 300. So basically there's that 115 point difference. Well, here's the part for me that just frustrates the crap out of me is that people don't actually, they didn't go right up above that on StatCast and look at the man's spray chart. And then they didn't go to fan graphs and look what his batting average is against a shift. Chris, take a guess of what this man's batting average is against the shift. I'm just going to let you tell me. 324 against the shift. His batting average is absolutely ridiculous against the shift. And the crazy part is, is that when he is shifted, he pulls the ball only 41% of the time. So 59% of the time, the man hits to every part of the field. So So he beats the shift. So he's a guy who's made his bones understanding how to beat the shift. So instead of being a guy who was torn down by the shift, he may be somebody now that has a harder time finding an opening because they shift on him. Look, here, I'm going to sum up your point very simply, Craig. You don't trade with the Tampa Bay Rays. They're smarter than you. <laughs> I mean, it's... I'm tell you. Like, if, 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 with, the, with the shifting rules, you've got to convince me that the Rays... They they gave up a person who was going to improve. That's what you're trying to tell me. And I, I, I just, I can't believe that. I, I can't, okay? I mean, like, if I was a Major League Baseball general manager and Tampa Bay called me up and wanted to make a deal, I'd be like, I don't know. I mean, it looks good, but what do they know that I don't know? That's how I treat that franchise. So basically, you should hire me and look, look, look to see that he hit eight home runs to the poolside, probably when people are shifted, and that's why his weighted on base average is up, not because he's going to improve when he's not being shifted. All right, Debbie Downer, way to, way to wrap up the show. Now I see the 